Chapter 6, verses 32 through 45, of Catina Aria, Gospel of St. Luke, Part 1, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 32 through 36, For if ye love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners, to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Chrysostom the Lord had said that we must love our enemies, but that you might not think this an exaggerated expression, regarding it solely as spoken to alarm them. He adds the reason, saying, For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? There are indeed several causes which produce love, but spiritual love exceeds them all. For nothing earthly engenders it, neither gain, nor kindness, nor nature, nor time, but it descends from heaven. But why wonder that it needs not kindness to excite it, when it is not even overcome of malice? A father indeed suffering wrong bursts the bands of love. A wife after a quarrel leaves her husband. A son, if he sees his father come to a great age, is troubled. But Paul went to those who stoned him to do them good. Moses is stoned by the Jews and prays for them. Let us then reverence spiritual love, for it is indissoluble, reproving, therefore, those who are inclined to wax cold. He adds, For sinners even love those which love them. As if he said, Because I wish you to possess more than these, I do not advise you only to love your friends, but also your enemies. It is common to all to do good to those who do good to them but he shows that he seeks something more than is the custom of sinners, who do good to their friends. Hence it follows, And if you do good to those who do good to you, what thank have ye? Bede. But he not only condemns as unprofitable the love and kindness of sinners, but also the lending. As it follows, And if ye lend to those from whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? for sinners also lend to sinners, to receive as much again. Ambrose. Now philosophy seems to divide justice into three parts, one toward God, which is called piety, another toward our parents, or the rest of mankind, a third to the dead, that the proper rites may be performed. But the Lord Jesus, passing beyond the oracle of the law and the heights of prophecy, extended the duties of piety to those also who have injured us, adding, But love your enemies, Chrysostom, whereby thou wilt confer more upon thyself than him, for he is beloved by a fellow servant, but thou art made like unto God. But it is a mark of the greatest virtue when we embrace with kindness those who wish to do us harm. Hence it follows, and do good. For as water, when cast upon a lighted furnace, extinguishes it, so also reason joined with gentleness. 
But what water is to fire, such is lowliness and meekness to wrath. For as fire is not extinguished by fire, so neither is anger soothed by anger. Gregory of Nisau. But man ought to shun that baneful anxiety with which he seeks from the poor man increase of his money in gold, exacting a profit of barren metals. Hence he adds, and lend, hoping for nothing again, etc. For a man should call the harsh calculation of interest, theft or homicide, he will not err. For what is the difference whether a man, by digging under a wall, become possessed of property, or possess it unlawfully by the compulsory rate of interest? Basil. Now this mode of avarice is rightly called in the Greek tokos, from producing, because of the fruitfulness of the evil. Animals in course of time grow up and produce, but interest, as soon as it is born, begins to bring forth. Animals which bring forth most rapidly ceased soonest from breeding, but the money of the avarice goes on increasing with time. Animals, when they transfer their bringing forth to their own young, themselves cease to breed, but the money of covetousness both produces an increase and renews the capital. Touch not then the destructive monster, for what advantage that the poverty of today is escaped if it falls upon us repeatedly and is increased? Reflect then how canst thou restore thyself. Whence shall thy money be so multiplied as that it will partly relieve thy want, partly refresh thy capital, and besides bring forth interest? But thou sayest, how shall I get my living? I answer, work, serve, last of all beg. Anything is more tolerable than borrowing upon interest. But thou sayest, what is that lending to which the hope of repayment is not attached? Consider the excellence of the words, and thou wilt admire the mercifulness of the author. When thou art about to give to a poor man, from regard to divine charity, it is both a lending and a gift. A gift indeed because no return is hoped for. Lending because of the benefice of God, who restores it in its turn. Hence it follows, and great shall be your reward. Dost thou not wish the Almighty to be bound to restore to thee? Or should he make some rich citizen thy security? Dost thou accept him, but reject God, standing as security for the poor? Chrysostom. Observe the wonderful nature of lending. One receives and another binds himself for his debts, giving a hundredfold at the present time, and in the future eternal life. Ambrose. How great the reward of mercy which is received into the privilege of divine adoption. For it follows, and ye shall be the sons of the highest. Follow then mercy, that ye may obtain grace. Widely spread is the mercy of God. He pours his rain upon the unthankful. The fruitful earth refuses not its increase to the evil. Hence it follows, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Bede, either by giving them temporal gifts or by inspiring his heavenly gifts with a wonderful grace. Cyril, great then is the praise of mercy, for this virtue makes us like unto God and imprints upon our souls certain signs, as it were, of a heavenly nature. Hence it follows, Be ye then merciful, as your heavenly Father also is merciful. Athanasius. That is to say, that we beholding his mercies 
what good things we do should do them not with regard to men, but to him, that we may obtain our rewards from God, not from men. Verses 37 and 38. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. Ambrose. The Lord added that we must not readily judge others, lest when conscious of guilt thyself, thou shouldest be compelled to pass sentence upon another. Chrysostom, judge not thy superior, that is, thou a disciple must not judge thy master, nor a sinner the innocent. Thou must not blame them, but advise and correct with love. Neither must we pass judgment in doubtful and indifferent matters, which bear no resemblance to sin, or which are not serious or forbidden. Cyril, he here expresses that worst inclination of our thoughts or hearts, which is the first beginning and origin of a proud disdain. For though it becomes men to look into themselves and walk after God, this they do not, but look into the things of others. And while they forget their own passions, behold the infirmities of some, and make them a subject of reproach. Chrysostom, you will not easily find anyone, whether a father or a family or an inhabitant of a cloister, free from this error. But these are the wiles of the tempter, for he who severely sifts the fault of others will never obtain acquittal for his own. Hence it follows, and ye shall not be judged. For as the merciful and meek man dispels the rage of sinners, so the harsh and cruel adds to his own crimes. Gregory of Nyssa, Be not then rash to judge harshly of your servants, lest ye suffer the like. For passing judgment calls down a heavier condemnation. As it follows, Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. For he does not forbid judgment with pardon. Bede. Now in a short sentence, he concisely sums up all that he had enjoined with respect to our conduct towards our enemies, saying, Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven, wherein he bids us forgive injuries, and show kindness, and our sins shall be forgiven us, and we shall receive eternal life. Cyril, but that we shall receive more abundant recompense from God, who gives bountifully to those who love him, he explains as follows, Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over shall they give into your bosom. Theophylact, as if he says, As when you wish to measure a meal without sparing, you press it down, shake it together, and let it pour over abundantly, so the Lord will give a large and overflowing measure unto your bosom. Augustine, but he says, Shall they give, because through the merits of those to whom they have given even a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, shall they be thought worthy to receive a heavenly reward. It follows, for with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. Basil, for according to the same measure with which each one of you meets, that is, in doing good works or sinning, will he receive reward or punishment. Theophylact. But someone will put the subtle question, if the return is made overabundantly, how is it the same measure? To which we answer that he said not, 
In just as great a measure shall it be measured to you again, but in the same measure. For he who has shown mercy shall have mercy shown unto him. And this is measuring again with the same measure. But our Lord spoke of the measure running over, because to such a one he will show mercy a thousand times. So also in judging, for he that judges and afterwards is judged receives the same measure. But as far as he was judged, the more severely that he judged one like unto himself, was the measure running over. Cyril, but the apostle explains this when he says, He who sows sparingly, that is, scantily, and with a niggardly hand, shall also reap sparingly, that is, not abundantly, and he who sows blessings shall reap also blessings, that is, bountifully. But if a man has not and performs not, he is not guilty, for a man is accepted in that which he has, not in that which he has not. Verses 39 through 42. And he spake a parable unto them, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Cyril, the Lord added to what had gone before a very necessary parable, as it is said, and he spake a parable to them, for his disciples were the future teachers of the world, and it therefore became them to know the way of a virtuous life, having their minds illuminated, as it were, by a divine brightness, that they should not be blind leaders of the blind, and then he adds, Can the blind lead the blind? But if any should chance to attain unto an equal degree of virtue with their teachers, let them stand in the measure of their teachers, and follow their footsteps. Hence it follows, The disciple is not above his master. Hence also Paul says, Be ye also followers of me, as I am of Christ. Since Christ therefore judge not, why judgest thou? For he came not to judge the world, but to show mercy. Theophylact. Or else, if thou judgest another, and in the very same way sinnest thyself, art not thou like to the blind leading the blind? For how canst thou lead him to good, when thou also thyself committest sin? For the disciple is not above his master. If therefore thou sinnest, who thinkest thyself a master and guide? Where will he be who is taught and led by thee? For he will be the perfect disciple who is as his master. Bede. Or the sense of this sentence depends upon the former, in which we are enjoined to give alms and forgive injuries. If, says he, anger has blinded thee against the violent, and avarice against the grasping, how canst thou with thy corrupt heart cure his corruption? For even thy master Christ, who as God revenged his injuries, chose rather by patience to render his persecutors more merciful. It is surely binding on his disciples, who are but men, to follow the same rule of perfection. Augustine, for he has added the words, Can the blind lead the blind? 
in order that they might not expect to receive from the Levites that measure of which he says, They shall give into thy bosom, because they give tithes to them. And these he calls blind, because they receive not the gospel, that the people might the rather now begin to hope for that reward through the disciples of the Lord, whom, wishing to point out as his imitators, he added, The disciple is not above his master. Theophylact, but the Lord introduces another parable, taken from the same figure, as it follows, But why seest thou the mote, that is, the slight fault which is in thy brother's eye, but the beam which is in thine own eye, that is, thy great sin, thou regardest not? Bede. Now this has reference to the previous parable, in which he forewarned them that the blind cannot be led by the blind, that is, the sinner corrected by the sinner. Hence it is said, Or how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me cast out the mote that is in thine eye, if thou seest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Cyril, as if he said, How can he who is guilty of grievous sin, which he calls the beam, condemn him who has sinned only slightly, or even in some cases not at all? For this the mote signifies. Theophylact, but these words are applicable to all, and especially to teachers, who, while they punish the least sins of those who are put under them, leave their own unpunished. Wherefore the Lord calls them hypocrites, because to this end judge they the sins of others, that they themselves might seem just. Hence it follows, thou hypocrite, first cast the beam out of thine own eye, etc. Cyril, that is to say, first show thyself clean from great sins, and then afterwards shalt thou give counsel to thy neighbor, who is guilty only of slight sins. Basil. In truth, self-knowledge seems the most important of all. For not only the eye, looking at outward things, fails to exercise its sight upon itself, but our understanding also, though very quick in apprehending the sin of another, is slow to perceive its own defects. Verses 43 through 45. For a good tree bringeth forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Bede, our Lord continues the words which he had begun against the hypocrites, saying, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, i.e. as if he says, If thou wouldest have a true unfeigned righteousness, what thou settest forth in words, make up also in works. For the hypocrite, though he pretends to be good, is not good, who doeth evil works, and the innocent, though he be blamed, is not therefore evil, who doeth good works. Titus Boss, but take not these words to thyself as an encouragement to idleness, for the tree is moved conformably to its nature, but thou hast the exercise of free will, and every barren tree has been ordained for some good, but thou wert created unto the good work of virtue. Isidore Peleus, he does not then exclude repentance, but continuance in evil, which, 
as long as it is evil, cannot bring forth good fruit, but being converted to virtue will yield abundance. But what nature is to the tree, our affections are to us. If then a corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit, how shall a corrupt heart? Chrysostom. But although the fruit is caused by the tree, yet it brings to us the knowledge of the tree, because the distinctive nature of the tree is made evident by the fruit. As it follows, for every tree is known by its fruit. Cyril, each man's life also will be a criterion of his own character. For not by extrinsic ornaments and pretended humility is the beauty of true happiness discovered, but by those things which a man does, of which he gives an illustration, adding, for of thorns men do not gather figs. Ambrose, on the thorn of this world the fig cannot be found, which as being better in its second fruit is well fitted to be a similitude of the resurrection, either because, as you read, the fig trees have put forth their green figs. That is, the unripe and worthless fruit came first in the synagogue, or because our life is imperfect in the flesh, perfect in the resurrection, and therefore we ought to cast far from us worldly cares, which eat into the mind and scorch up the soul, that by diligent culture we may obtain the perfect fruits. This therefore has reference to the world and the resurrection, the next to the soul and the body, as it follows, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes, either because no one living in sin obtains fruit to his soul, which, like the grape nearest the ground, is rotten, on the higher branches becomes ripe, or because no one can escape the condemnations of the flesh, but he whom Christ has redeemed, who as a grape hung on the tree, bead, or I think the thorns and bramble are the cares of the world and the pricklings of sin, but the figs and the grapes are the sweetness of a new life and the warmth of love. But the fig is not gathered from the thorns, nor the grape from the bramble, because the mind still debased by the habits of the old man may pretend to, but cannot bring forth the fruits of the new man. But we must know that, as the fruitful palm tree is enclosed and supported by a hedge, and the thorn-bearing fruit, not its own, preserves it for the use of man, so the words and acts of the wicked, wherein they serve the good, are not done by the wicked themselves, but by the wisdom of God working upon them. Cyril. But having shown that the good and the bad man may be discerned by their works as a tree by its fruits, he now sets forth the same thing by another figure, saying, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth that which is evil. Bede. The treasure of the heart is the same as the root of the tree. He therefore who has in his heart the treasure of patience and perfect love, brings forth the best fruits, loving his enemy and doing the other things which have been taught above. But he who keeps a bad treasure in his heart does the contrary to this. Basil. The quality of the words shows the heart from which they proceed, plainly manifesting the inclination of our thoughts. Hence it follows, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Chrysostom. For it is a natural consequence when wickedness abounds within, that wicked words are breathed as far as the mouth. And therefore, when you hear of a man uttering abominable things, do not suppose that there 
only lies so much wickedness in him as is expressed in his words, but believe the fountain to be more copious than the stream. Bede, by the speaking of the mouth, the Lord signifies all things, which by word or deed or thought we bring forth from the heart, for it is the manner of Scripture to put words for deeds. End of chapter 6, verses 32 through 45.